It's so much going on. There are so many things that have happened because you and I missed the show on Monday. And Monday, let me tell you something, there's already a couple days before that that you're not reading the news as much on the Saturday and the Sunday. So the Monday, you're, there's already buildup. Then you miss the Monday, you're here on the Tuesday, and it's a lot. Yeah, there's definitely a buildup. But uh, on Monday, we were productive. We're busy. Okay, that's fair. We another uh, Unbox Therapy video. Okay, that's fair. So there's that. But what this means is we have incredible content today. We have uh, an incredible number of things to, to decompress. Mm -hmm. None bigger than Apple opening its very first floating store. <laughs> Top story. number of people sent this to me. This was all over the Google News algorithms. Uh. The floating store, uh, kind of uh, reminiscent maybe of Apple's store in New York, the Fifth Avenue store. It's kind of... Uh, just a shape. That one was a cube. This one's a sphere by the looks of it. But this one, I think it takes the cake because it's floating. It's on the water. So this is going to be built as part of the Marina Bay Sands Resort, which is that famous resort in Singapore. I'm sure you've seen the photos of that. Yeah, very cool. It's like the infinity pool. And just it's a, it's a really famous shape and view. Look at that thing. The pool's up there. The pool's up there. Yeah. I might have to go to Singapore to check it out, but this store will be a part of the complex. However, you'll be able to enter this store either by the boardwalk or from the, the shopping complex underground mm. through a tunnel to head to your uh, high-tech water Apple store, floating Apple store. Apple has hundreds of physical stores dotted around the world. Uh, serving as repair centers, community hubs. And now they can add this one to their list. And this one is going to be, I think if you're a mega Apple fan, this is going to be one of those ones you want to check off the list. Mm -hmm. If you want these people that visit these type of stores. Now, ap apparently, this spherical design is going to replace a shard-shaped crystal pavilion, which was there prior and it used to be a nightclub, Well, a nightclub on the water in Singapore. Mm. Sound like a type of time that you would be down for. Great time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Of course, Apple, they sort of see themselves as some sort of a nightclub, some sort of a community hub. Maybe not at night as much, but they think they're just as cool. So they will revamp this pre-existing space and turn it into what they want. It's going to have... Uh, some glass panels that will reflect Singapore's skyline during the day mm. and glow like a lantern at night. The structure shape informs an entirely new store layout. The eye-catching dome is Apple's third store in Singapore. It will obviously be the nicest one. And this is important as well, Will, because you know retail's been suffering because of the pandemic and the, mm. the shutdowns. And so you're not hearing a lot of this. You hear, you're hearing of the big brands shutting down stores. Microsoft, they got out of the retail business. They're only going to keep like three experience-type centers. Mm -hmm. But then you have Apple saying, no, no, no. We're going to do the floating store mm. because we got that $2 trillion valuation. And we got the liquid money flowing. Yeah. So we're just going to do... Right yeah, we're just going to do water stores now. <laughs> I gotta say, it's pretty cool. If I definitely, I think if I ended up in Singapore, I would try to stay at that hotel, and then I would try to go yeah. check out the floating store. Exciting times for Apple, at least on that front. Exciting times for Apple. But now I gotta take it the other direction because my goodness, mm. with the Fortnite stuff, you have uh, you have an escalation going on with the Fortnite stuff and the Epic stuff, and they're uh, they're in court right now. They're in court. And it's a war of words. Yeah. And every, they're going back and forth, mm -hmm. as you would if you were in court. And now there's a, uh, a claim from Apple that Epic was shoplifting from the App Store when they attempted mm -hmm. to uh, circumvent 
the payment structure, that they were shoplifting. And of course, your guy Tim Sweeney from Epic, he says, Apple, how dare you say we were shoplifting? And on top of that, they tried to imply, I suppose, that Epic was only in it for themselves, but then Sweeney came out with a statement and said, in his original letter to Apple, his quote was, we hope that Apple will also make these options equally available to all iOS developers. So Apple's case in court is Epic is big and powerful themselves. Mm -hmm. Epic understood the deal. Epic is out for itself just to get more money. And then Sweeney and Epic, they say, no, not so much. Well, definitely yes. But also, we're fighting for terms for other developers. Mm -hmm. And not just ourselves. Yeah, and um, I think Unreal, the um, the platform is uh, is safe for now. We're gonna get to that oh. later in the show. <laughs> okay, but that well, was a we're nice, talking about lawsuits here. Right? That was no, it was a nice little. Yeah. I like it. Well, all right, all right. So on his uh, next tweet, if you just scroll down a little bit, it's the shoplifting tweet, and he actually appears to also post a, an image of a Fortnite character in a. A burglar outfit. Mm. Why is the burglar outfit stripes? Like the classic burglar outfit. Wouldn't that make them easier to see? Is that some is kind of like a camo? prison uniform? But if you're a burglar, why would you want to call yeah. that out? Shouldn't it be all black? I mean, I'm sure there's a good reason for this. I don't think we yeah, can look yeah. into it right now. Someone's going to let us know in the comments. And we just uh, really appreciate the fact that someone's going to tell us exactly why but anyways he says shoplifting question mark question mark exclamation point come on apple your start was with the apple 2 an open platform that booted up to basic programming language prompt freedom to create and install software is fundamental to general computing devices and you're reduced to calling us shoplifters so the war words heating up and and uh, Sweeney from Epic appears to be kind of calling on the 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 programming, the culture around programming and software and operating systems, and kind of m making it bigger about the entire industry and less about Epic. And that would be an advantageous move because now you're summoning anyone who cares about any of yeah. this to potentially side with you who agrees with those uh, fundamentals. Mm -hmm. The openness of, well, I mean, whether it's a piece of software or the internet or whatever, openness sells, it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. unite. I can install whatever I want. Yeah. I can build whatever I want because people can install whatever they want. Mm -hmm. And it's true on some platforms that's the case. On uh, iPhone, iOS, not so much. So we're gonna have to wait and see how this, uh, plays out but if you were wondering about the escalation apple quoted here that uh, quoted calling epic shoplifters now they're also taking some heat over something that went on with wordpress are you familiar with wordpress will yeah yeah i use wordpress yeah you do make, a, uh, websites you do a blog back yeah. in the day yeah and you boot up wordpress don't you uh-huh well WordPress, they're still kicking it. They're still they're still around and doing oh, yeah. doing well, I presume. I mean, they had a huge user base, obviously. They still do, yeah. Massive install base yeah. of websites built on the on the backbone, WordPress backbone. Anyway, Apple once again got upset because WordPress was trying to advertise their premium subscriptions inside of their iOS app. Now, they weren't actually doing transactions out around, you know, sort of circumventing the app store policies, but instead they were advertising, hey, start up a subscription, go to our website mm. and start up a subscription. You'll get all these extra features, including extra features within the app. And at first, Apple sitting there, very Epic-like saying, oh, you better smarten up mm -hmm. or we're going to give you the boot as well. Mm. And WordPress sitting there saying, well, we didn't, we're just telling people that we do this other thing and mm -hmm. we want them to pay over here. And so Apple said, no, no, no. If you're going to sell that extra service and your install base, depending on iOS, we want the we, we think you should have the option in there for a person to subscribe to that service through iOS. Right. Okay, this is the thing. 
But then people said, that's, that's seeming a little bit extra. Mm. Is that what the kids say? Extra? Mm-hmm. I think so. Apple intended to prevent updates to the WordPress iOS app, which is free, until the po- project compi- complied with its rule to enable in-app purchases. That move by Apple seemingly went against a recent policy update following a separate fight that Apple was having with the developers of the Hey Email app in which it blocked app updates until the startup enabled in-app purchases for its $99 annual subscription. So you see how this goes deeper, Will. Mm. Now you're not just saying if you're going to process a transaction inside of your iOS app, you must use the iOS app. policy and and it must that that transaction must happen through the app store they're also saying if you sell a subscription that impacts your ios app even if that subscription takes place outside of the ios app we still we still don't want that we still think that you should purchase it directly through and that's where people said oh this is getting a bit squirrely Mm -hmm. it's getting a bit slippery because holy moly there's plenty of services you may have subscribed to outside of the app and you may want that subscription to apply inside of the app mm-hmm. and uh but anyway apple feels it felt they had a point at least in the beginning but now they backed off mm. and what does that showcase is apple maybe easing up a little bit on some of the stringent some of the strict stuff oh. because they backtracked and i don't know if they apologized. the headline says apple says sorry did they actually apologize let's find out apple issued the statement after key wordpress developer matt Mullenweg detailed in a tweet that Apple planned to cut off updates and bug fixes unless the project committed to supporting in-app purchases for WordPress payment plans in the iOS app. And here's Apple's quote. Since the developer removed the display of their service payment options from the app, it is now a free standalone app and does not have to offer in-app purchases. So this is some sort of a policy, Will, where if you advertise that you do other business outside of the app store... Now you must enable in-app purchases. Mm. This is this one is more difficult than the Epic one because Epic at le- Epic went the extra step and took your money directly within there through a separate payment processor. But this one I feel may rile up some of the audience members a little a little more when you start to say, "Wow, they want a piece of everything. They want a piece of the outside stuff. They want you put a banner. Hey, we're having a sale." On our site, mm-hmm. na 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 na. All the transactions have to go through Apple. Is it over? I'm just saying it reaches pretty far, and you start to have a the branches. Now, now I know what Apple. Look, if you're on the Apple side of it, I know what Apple would say. They'd say, "Well, you're trying to take somebody out of the app to have them transact elsewhere in exchange for their. They're going to have to supply you with information, and we feel this is unsafe." So they're going to create a policy across the board because you can imagine, well, and it's my job to showcase both sides of the thing. Mm, yeah. Okay. But you can imagine some nefarious app or app company. I'm not, for the record, I'm not saying, I'm not necessarily on this side because I know Tim Sweeney's watching and he's upset that I'm even presenting their side of it. But they're going to say, we want to process it because we know it's safe because we have that user data and we are protecting that user's data when they do this transaction. But if we let these apps pull people off site or out of the iOS app, which we've approved of, now they're transacting, they're giving you their data and they found out about you because of the app store. Right. So therefore we feel responsible for that user experience even as it branches off of the app store itself. Mm-hmm. I'm just giving you both sides, Will. I hear you. It's, it's my job. It's a lot of uh, security issues. It's my there. job, I gotta give you both sides. Microsoft has weighed in on this, on the situation, though. Microsoft has decided to back Epic Games' lawsuit versus Apple. I mean, not much of a surprise here, really. But you had a tweet from the guy himself, uh, Xbox guy, Phil Spencer. He put out a tweet to show support for Epic Games and to re- request to keep access to, uh, to the Unreal stuff. Because that affects and impacts him as well. And he's already got the beef going on because he was trying to get his, his his cloud gaming onto iOS and having all kinds of problems yes. with Apple's various policies. Here's the uh, here's the tweet. 
Today, we filed a statement in support of Epic's request to keep access to the Apple SDK for its Unreal Engine, ensuring that Epic has access to the latest Apple technology is the right thing for game developers and gamers. All right, that's the tweet. There's a, a more detailed statement if you want to go one step deeper, but he is mostly on the Unreal situation, less so on the Epic on the Fortnite mm-hmm. ban, but more so on the Unreal side because he's saying this is going to be catastrophic. Mm-hmm. He's saying this is going to have this wide-reaching impact. And it's going to impact developers large and small or larger and smaller than that, at least, as tremendous collateral damage. You just eliminate these tools Mm -hmm. completely. If Unreal Engine cannot support games for iOS or macOS, Microsoft would be required to choose between abandoning its customers and potential customers on the iOS and macOS platforms or Choosing a different game engine when preparing to, to develop new games, the document said. So he's saying, look, we might, I mean, it's, that's pretty harsh. We're going to abandon iOS. Are you really? Microsoft would be required to choose between abandoning its customers. Uh, I mean, some pretty heavy stuff as well coming via Phil Spencer. But look, I can't say I'm surprised it is Microsoft. After all, they have their own beef going on. And this is the highest profile situation at the moment. So you're going to weigh in on it. It's better for Microsoft if Epic does well mm-hmm. or if Epic wins this, this dispute here because Apple is a competitor of Microsoft at the same time and they keep getting this 30% piece. And I'm sure it would be helpful to a number of developers if Apple figures out some type of flexibility. Yes. Whether it's for the cloud gaming service that they're trying to do, the games that they have that are associated with the Unreal Engine or Fortnite or Epic themselves. But anyway, he put out a statement and he's choosing sides. Are you surprised, Will? Uh, No, I think um, it's a pretty smart move. That's the way to go. It's a big document if you want to check it out for yourself. I mean, I don't know if we have any developers out here in this community. We probably got a couple, five or six developers. I want to know what they think as well because uh, they're deep in it. But this is the story you want to talk about. Yeah, a judge has right. actually weighed in on this situation. Yeah, You get the comments from Microsoft, right? You get the comments from Apple. You get the comments from Epic. The judge is uncertain on the actual Fortnite thing because it was so much more, such a, more targeted the way that thing went down. Just enable the purchases in the thing. The Unreal Engine stuff and the developer tools is a bit more open-ended and it seems like extra punishment from Apple. They're looking for extra ways to hurt Epic. I mean, that's the way it feels. Mm-hmm. They would suggest otherwise. But a judge comes in, comes in here, and uh, and he's ruling on a temporary restraining order that Epic Games was positioning against Apple because they were saying, look, if we're forced, if this stuff is eliminated immediately right now, the impact might be too much to overcome long-term for our our various developers who work via our tools and Unreal Engine and everything else. So they just said, look, fine, we'll have a court case here. But in the meantime, let's do a little temporary pause button Mm -hmm. and not take it to that level. And this particular judge agrees the court finds that with respect to Epic Games motion as to its games, including Fortnite, Epic Games has not yet demonstrated irreparable harm the current predicament appears of its own making so that's the epic piece or the Fortnite piece where they're saying you created the problem at least yeah. partially you you how much could it have hurt you if you could have predicted that outcome mm-hmm. but then on the on the uh on the flip side with the unreal Epic Games and Apple are at liberty at liberty to litigate against each other, but their dispute should not create havoc to bystanders. You see, the bystander piece is the big one. Yes. Because if I'm a judge, I'm sitting thinking, what do these people have to do with it? Mm-hmm. What are these bystanders, these other developers? They have businesses and potentially employees. Mm-hmm. You're going to shut them down immediately if they lose Unreal. Yes. And is that beneficial to either of the parties involved? And probably not. Mm-hmm. It's not probably not beneficial to anyone. Probably not beneficial beneficial to customers or anybody. So they're gonna uh, go ahead. This judge is going to protect Unreal Engine for the time being, however temporary that happens to be. But that is a kind of mini little win for Epic. That maybe there's more here 
it's not a, it's not going to be an open and shut quick type of deal because mm-hmm. they at least have a judge considering collateral damage at this point, considering Unreal as almost a platform right. and not as an isolated thing only impacting this one company. And you got to think like, um, you know, the other game engine, which is really popular called Unity, you don't want Unreal developers to hop on board Unity, you know, or just kind of making a big move on it. So it's nice that this lawsuit is put on hold, at least for Unreal, you know. Judge Rogers had already indicated that she was more swayed by the apparent threat to the Unreal Engine. I'm not inclined to grant relief with respect to the games, Fortnite, she said at the opening hearing, but I am inclined to grant relief with respect to the Unreal Engine. So, uh, shout out to this particular judge. She's keeping Unreal alive for the time being. I have to say, though, Will, if I'm relying heavily on Unreal at the moment, I have to be a little concerned because it's up in the air a bit. Now, I don't know what's involved in transitioning to, to these other engines or, or just abandoning projects and building them on, on other engines. I have to assume that's an incredibly complicated task. Oh, yeah. In which case, it may not even be feasible for mm-hmm. some developers, in which case this is a major win for that group of people. Mm. Tencent, some positive uh, news for Tencent. They gained $37 billion after U.S. reassures on the WeChat ban. So the TikTok ban got a lot more press than the WeChat ban or the discussion around the WeChat ban, although WeChat, tremendously useful app for individuals in China and elsewhere, mm-hmm. and uh, a tremendous footprint, billion users. And people were really curious about how far-reaching a ban around WeChat could be and transactions with WeChat because WeChat is Tencent and It was all very uh, difficult to follow. However, they're doing okay right now, and they kind of bounced back because the Trump team reassured certain large-scale corporations like Apple and others. You know, Disney was asking about it, if you recall. We covered it, and there was a story about that. I think Walmart was asking. So once WeChat got into the conversation about a potential ban and a lack of ability to have transactions via WeChat, every company that has any kind of interest in China pick up, picked up the phone and said to Trump, dude, that's money. Yeah, don't do that. That's money for us that's coming don't into ban. the country. That's, that's yeah. because I don't know if you're selling a movie ticket in WeChat or if your operations over there utilize WeChat for how they interact with one another. Your sales teams might be transacting with WeChat and you're saying this is going to be very detrimental to our revenue and that revenue a portion of it ends up back in the US anyways and they mm. go and show Trump the paperwork they're like look Disney's like look at our ticket sales mm. in China or whoever it might be or our Apple says look we're one of the few companies selling smartphones over there mm-hmm. right and there. and so Trump responds it's right it's right there Trump responds I guess and and I don't know if it's a, an official I don't think it was in any kind of official announcement. Let's see here. Company management earlier this month sought to reassure investors that the executive order signed by President Donald Trump may apply only to WeChat's overseas operation. That maybe it would only impact WeChat usage within the United States. Hmm. Trump ignited a furor after signing the order to ban U.S. entities from dealing with WeChat. Confusion reigned as investors grappled with the sweeping language. So, a lot of the initial fear had had to do with details around the scope and the scale of the ban. Intense lobbying by representatives of U.S. businesses such as, here they are, Walmart, General Motors, Best Buy, and Target. They reinforced the indispensability of WeChat for reaching consumers in China. So it is pretty much what I said. Of course, I paraphrased and I made it a little bit more fun as far as these yeah. companies picking up the phone. But that's essentially what it is. If, if American companies are doing well, earning Chinese money, and then 
that money making its way back to the U.S., then that's something mm -hmm. you would assume Trump would be interested in. See, the the true target for a lot of this action is ec it's economic. You have the politics, but you have the economics as well. And in the case of, say, ByteDance, yeah, they hired some people in the U.S., but primarily that revenue is going to flow back in that direction, and that revenue is going to be generated from the U.S. customer base. And also employees working at the company, U.S., you know, so there's people there that are just working in the U.S. It's more jobs. Yeah, you have the jobs piece. No, no, definitely the jobs piece exists whether you're uh, ByteDance or any of these companies, but these companies, it's a much easier path to follow mm. to say this is extra revenue right here flowing in this direction. You can put the number down and yeah, say... Yeah, straight up dollar signs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Whereas in, in the ByteDance case, it's a bit more convoluted because you, you had to figure out the percentage of revenue, who's gaining more, China or us, mm -hmm. if you're the U.S. and we're in Canada. So we get to say whatever we want. Oh, yeah. That's the beauty of it. See, we're protected by the uh, ma uh, maple syrup fortress. <laughs> Can't penetrate it. Maple trees. It's too sticky. Yeah, maple trees. Yeah. But anyways, uh, so Tencent is loving, loving it right now. They're saying, sweet. They're saying, Disney and Walmart love WeChat. So we're set. We'll be okay. Because mm -hmm. they got the phone line all the way straight through to, to Trump. Foxconn, on the other hand, they're uh, not feeling China as much. The Taiwanese brands, Foxconn, Pegatron. We talked about how they had been considering, well, considering and acting upon the distribution of their network of uh, facilities around the world rapidly migrating away from China as the world's factory famously quoted, was it the founder, president of Foxconn famously quoted as saying, China will no longer be the world's factory. Well, anyways, they started to talk about South America. Obviously, there's the whatever fiasco is going on in Wisconsin. Mm. The India stuff appears to be real. But the latest one is Mexico. Mm. So I didn't know this, but apparently there's some sort of a push from the U.S. to have manufacturing as close by as possible, even if it's not in the U.S. So that Mexico would be some sort of an improvement as opposed to going all the way overseas or mm -hmm. somewhere further away. And uh, so obviously Mexico represents an opportunity in that sense. And you also have, I guess, relatively affordable labor over there. I guess you, you're going to have, if the product is destined for the U.S. market, you're going to have less uh, shipping expenditure, logistics, yeah. logistics expenditure, presumably. I mean, I don't know what portion of the assembly would take place there. You still have to bring components and whatnot. But apparently both Foxconn and Pegatron are currently considering this. They've targeted a couple different areas. Uh, Pegatron is also in early discussions with lenders about an additional facility in Mexico, mainly to assemble chips and other electronic components. Foxconn currently has five factories in Mexico, mainly currently making televisions and servers. But they want to expand, underscoring a broader and gradual shift global supply chains away from China. Yes, here it is. The plans come as the idea of nearshoring gains ground in Washington. Trump administration exploring financial incentives to encourage firms to move production facilities from Asia to either the United States, Latin America, or the Caribbean. Now, I presume this is because there's better political alliances with between those groups. And uh, I mean, the term nearshoring is kind of is kind of interesting. You can do it out of the country. It doesn't have to be American-made or assembled, but, like, let's get it pretty close. Hmm. I wonder why Canada's not in that list. We're too busy. We're trapped yeah, in know, the maple right? syrup yeah. forest or whatever we talked about earlier. They can't get in. They can't get they in. They keep knocking on our door. They we can't. can't I mean, come, try. Try the border. You'll see. As soon as you step off the plane, you're going to get all tangled up. It's just going to be uh, maple syrup and ice rinks that you're slipping on. Yeah, what are we doing, Well, Is this Canadian content now? Foxconn chairman Lee Young-Wei told it in an investor conference in Taipei on August 12th, the world was split into G2. That's what he called it. Two groups. 
following Sino-US tensions, saying his firm was working on providing two sets of supply chains to service the two markets. A split! A G2 world! Jeez. Anyway, yeah, this guy's making a lot. He's making a lot of news. He's making a lot of news. Foxconn unit Sharp has already stepped up their television production in Mexico. Foxconn bought Sharp a while ago, formerly Japanese company. Hmm. Have you ever owned a Sharp product? I did. A couple TVs. Did you actually? Yeah. Look at you. They're Sharp. Pixel... Pixel 4a 5G and Pixel 5 with 4,000 milliamp hour battery leak in a live image with alleged specs. Some people are upset. They're saying, how can the Pixel 5, I think Mark has tweeted about it, how can the Pixel 5 not have weaker performance than the Pixel 4? Their branding is it's all confusing. so off the wall. So I don't mind the idea of having of going straight budget and leaving the flagship stuff to... The players that are already there, particularly in 2020, where there's so much demand for budget stuff and value stuff, and the value stuff is performing well. So I don't mind it, but yeah, the naming is the problem because then it's, well, wait, the Pixel, like how do you and when do you make that transition? And then the fact that they've got this other 4A 5G that's going to be available, we've covered this. So anyways, here are the specs for these uh, presumably budget devices or more budget devices, the Pixel 5, 4,000 milliamp hour battery, 0.5X wide lens, 1X standard lens, same as the Pixel 4, 12.2 megapixels. Snapdragon 765G is going to be the chip of choice for the smaller of the two units, which is supposedly the Pixel 5. 8 gigs of RAM, which is a little bit more than some people had suspected. Display will be capable of 60 hertz or 90 hertz. It will be a plastic back, no audio jack, and have the fingerprint scanner on the back as well. Though you can see there's some unusual texture in this image on top of the plastic back on the smaller unit. If you if you uh, shift over, this is where things get really weird, to the Pixel 4a 5G, which is the bigger unit of the two. Typically, Will, when you go to the bigger phone, you get a bigger battery. But here, you get a smaller battery, 3,800 milliamp hour. Compared to the Pixel 5, the shrunken model, which has a 4,000. It's so weird. The camera looks to be the same. The chip will be the same, 765G. It'll have 6 gigs gig of RAM instead of 8. And a 60 hertz screen only. Everything else basically looks the same. And presumably the price may start at the same, which would make things even equally confusing. 499 We have to wait and see. I guess you might be able to sell the... Pixel 5 for a little bit more. There's rumors about the price starting at the same for both. But uh, looking at this, if they do start at the same price, I don't care. I would have to pick the 90 hertz screen and the extra RAM mm. myself mm -hmm. and the bigger battery. Mm -hmm. I don't know who's going to pick the 5G 4A. It really only has a bigger display and then it suffers elsewhere. Right. So it's, yeah, con confusing branding, but you can catch a look at them. They're the most basic looking things of all time. They're the most slabby of the slabs. What do you think this is going to cost more? Oh, I think they might both start at four ninety nine. Is that is that insane? Uh, no, not at all. It's so confusing. I don't know. Or could it be four ninety nine and five forty nine? Yeah, it's. Uh, it, it, Google does it frequently does a great job of confusing people with this stuff. Yeah. I I don't know. How could we fix this? Pixel. Or this could all be a rumor and completely fake. Right. And then they'll sort everything out? Yeah. Well, let's presume that it's not. How could we have fixed the situation? What, what would we have done? We would have done... Uh, Forget about the 4A. Just have the Pixel, Pixel 5. Pixel 5 and Pixel 5 XL? Yeah. Okay. Just like they've done in the past. Right. Right. They were trying to get the cost down, though. Because I presume if they had done the 5 XL with a 90 hertz display at that size and eight gigs of RAM, which you would have need, needed to do in order for it to be comparable to the regular five, but have the XL moniker, mm -hmm. then maybe that price gets to a place that they don't like in 2020. Just forget about the the A line. I like how you're forgetting about so many things. Yeah. You're just telling just them to just forget it about out, it. You know? And do what, light? Just start over. Just stick oh. with the Pixel 5, 5XL, and then just, just have that as a budget option. Hmm. Interesting. But then that kind of limits their ability in the future to have the two simultaneous lines if they ever wanted to do that again. Then have the Pro. 
So go with the, the pro, pro model. You prefer the pro. Yeah. Yeah. XL is weird. I never I was never a huge fan of XL. I actually prefer plus to XL. Right, yeah. But anyways. I agree. Whatever, we can't fix it. That's the word on the street at the moment. You guys tell me in the comments. If they do start at the same price, would you pick the bigger display with the weaker specs or would you pick the Pixel 5 with the better specs and the smaller display? This is your story. You sent this to me. This was interesting. Samsung's Find My Mobile feature now working with offline devices. This is really interesting the way they did this because this Find My Device situation is only as good on, on many manufacturers as a device that's connected to the web. And that's not always the case. Mm -hmm. So what this one does is it uses a, almost like a mesh network of other Samsung devices in range to ping you. And I think Tile uses a similar technology. They were the ones with those little tags that you could put in your luggage. And it would be this, you know, this mesh network would help you find the thing when you lost it. Mm -hmm. because your luggage typically doesn't connect to the internet on its own. Mm. I mean, I don't know about your luggage, Will. You probably got that high-tech well, stuff. You know, I'm still working on it. So this is a nice little additional thing. It was spotted by Max Weinbeck on uh, Twitter. He says, looks like Samsung just added offline finding to Samsung's Find My Mobile. It lets you track your phone, even if it doesn't have Wi-Fi or cellular. So if someone yanks the SIM card out of it, but they're goofing around playing video games. You know, as you would if you stole a phone or something. Mm -hmm. The feature is not enabled by default, and you can disable it in your settings. So you turn it on because, I don't know, you may have the privacy concerns. Like, mm -hmm. because then all these other phones can pick up the location mm -hmm. of your phone without... So if you have the privacy concerns, you can leave it off. But if you want to take part in the giant uh, Galaxy Mesh network, you can do that too. Maybe you can also turn it on and off depending if you're traveling. Does that if, mean... Uh other Galaxy devices have to have this turned on to create Correct. mesh? Correct, correct. But the thing is, you don't need that many, right, to get pinged. If mm. anyone in that city, you see, the more the better, but there's a lot of Galaxy devices out there. That's true. And you don't need that many people to be logged in to get to catch that ping. Interesting. So it'll find your, like, location or the phone's location, like the direct point? Mm -hmm. Or is it like a triangle? It'll be an approximation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and I Very honestly, cool. I remember I've heard so many stories of people using this functionality on Tile and crazy stories of people getting their bags back huh. just because they were able to figure out the rough location. I don't remember who it was on Twitter, but they left their bag on a train and were able to follow it to know which station to go to because mm. someone else had the, had the tracing G enabled GPS or whatever. Or yeah, exactly. So anyways, this is, this is a pretty cool, cool thing. Sticking with Samsung, they've designed a super rugged, tactical smartphone. This is the S20 Tactical Edition. I don't know. It may, it may very well be the most rugged smartphone ever of all time. I'm not really sure. But this thing, it, it kind of looks like a Galaxy S series slammed in and crammed into a, an otter box on steroids. Mm. It looks like it's made out of some sort of an alloy. It's military grade. And it's a smartphone developed for the Department of Defense and the federal government. You actually can't just go out and buy one of these, Will. Oh. Although it would be cool. Maybe you should talk to Samsung and we should do a vi an unboxing video. Mm -hmm. And we'll send it right back. Because we are obviously not the Department of Defense mm -hmm. in any way. This will Because it currently is only available through specific vendors. Here's some of the features. Uh... It can connect to tactical radios to keep communications open. So you could go straight radio if the network is down. There's a variety of durable cases and hubs that fit into the tactical kit. You can follow along with me if you scroll down here, Will. There's images for cool. each feature because we can thank Business Insider for the wonderful formatting. It can support drone feeds and laser range finders for an overview of your mission. It can easily connect to a monitor for planning purposes. I don't know what you're planning, Will. Yeah. You don't want to know. The smart energy, the smart battery optimizes app power to conserve energy. That thing's got, you're going to have a big battery in there. And then I like this image, actually, if you scroll down. 
the guy has a weird tactical kind of, it's not weird, it actually looks really useful, almost like a GoPro mount to his chest with the phone. It has a special button on the side that can quick launch mission applications. Oh. It can work with gloved hands as you would have if you were part of the military. And, and it's, uh, uh, it's enabled for classified communication by the NSA. It's very encrypted, heavily encrypted. Medics can use it. It's pretty cool, but it's very specific. I just like the name of it, the sound of it. The Galaxy S20 Tactical Edition. Yeah. Imagine on Unbox Therapy, Galaxy S20 Tactical Edition unboxing. You're I'd wearing like, the vest? Yeah. yeah. I might get dressed up for that. Yeah. And the audience would be like, I never heard of no tactical edition. What exactly is that? And then I could beat the thing up. I could, you know, have a yeah, drop nice. it and dip it and dunk it and set up my missions yeah, that's in the video. You. That's me. I could have the vest and hook it on with the attachments. Cool. Flight sticks are selling out after the release of Microsoft Flight Simulator. So your favorite uh, portion of the show, Simulator oh, Talk. Simulator Talk with Willie oh, Do. You know, you told me something really weird today. What is that? That you love to watch the flight simulator, but you don't want to play the flight simulator. I mean, I'll, I'll definitely try it. Explain yourself, Willie Do. Um, I feel like with the simulator, you have to have the right equipment. I got to talk to Microsoft and get like a flight stick. Yeah, because you can't buy one because they're sold out. I, I, yeah, apparently. Because the simulator, it popped off after 37 years, which you wanted to correct for me, which was, uh, you said, no, they had a simulator in 2006. And then I actually looked it up, and there was a simulator in 2012 as well, right? Mm -hmm. So they've done simulators, but it has been a while. It's been, you know, a decade or something. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's nice to see other people actually figuring out the game it's kind of rewarding in that sense that you kind of see like oh yeah i don't have to handle the crazy technical side of things you can just watch it you know as it is so yeah no i hear you man especially for the from the relaxation standpoint you kind of take a back seat the relaxation standpoint i totally hear you man the hum of the cabin in the plane mm-hmm and and the dials and I understand that, but I want to try it. You want to try it. I I feel I want to get behind the. I gotta give it a shot. Okay, well. I'm not saying uh, I'm gonna do a to, uh, real time Toronto to Tokyo. Yeah. But I just want to do one landing. Okay. Yeah, we'll make it happen. But anyways, you're not gonna buy a flight stick to play this game. This game was wildly popular. People been they got a bunch of they're pent up. The simulator guys are pent up. Uh. eight years ago and this one's way better this one looks amazing and so you got these these things are selling out all of amazon.com's best-selling pc flight sticks click on that yeah let's see what we can get right now best sellers top left let's see that guy that's what everyone dreams of the thrust master oh yeah sold out number one bestseller sold out wow look at this model name you will do no thrusting you will, you will not be a thrust master for the time being. You will wait for stock to return. Okay, go back to that last page. Let's do the number two spot. Another thrust master. Sold out. Nope. Buy it used. Ew. In stock used. Yikes. So they're right. These things are tough to get right now, which is weird. And maybe it's pandemic related because if I'm thrust master and I know... That flight simulator 2020 is on the horizon. I'm ramping up production, mm -hmm. but uh, I guess maybe the ex maybe the uh, demand has outpaced their expectations. It's quite possible. Now, thanks to the Verge here, we can get these things in other places other than Amazon, where people went to first. You can find some of these on Best Buy as well, and Dell has some stock of the Thrustmaster equipment as well, if you want to go that route. Great. So there is a way to get it, but it's uh, it's like webcams. Remember we were talking about webcams? Yeah, shortage, shortage of uh, Logitech webcams or just all webcams? Logitech was having a shortage. They're just the, num they're just the big boys. Yeah. 
in the webcam space, but yeah, um, people are at home. Mm. They're chilling. They got their new flight simulator. Like a lot of this is people got time. Mm. I mean, I don't know how you're going to do Toronto to Tokyo without time. Mm. You're going to need some time. So people got time. So they pick up a, a Thrustmaster, a flight simulator 2020, or they're like Willie do and they just watch someone else do it. I don't know. Yeah. Popcorn and YouTube. Uh, this guy says that Tesla is unstoppable, but he does put a question mark. This girl, Barbara Kohlmeyer, get it straight, Lou. Get it together. Dare you. Tesla shares may be headed for $3,500, says analyst. See, this is one of those things where it's a writer who's quoting an analyst. Mm -hmm. So the analyst is a guy, but the writer is a girl. So get it together, Lou. Why don't you read it in advance? Brutal. What is this show? Horrendous. I will not stand for it. Yeah. Anyway, yes, Market Watch. Apparently, uh, the, the, it's the, you know what a lot of it is, Will? It's what they're doing in China. They're, they're this, the Model 3 is crushing in China. Hmm. And people are saying, How, what's the actual demand? Has it been reached? There's a lot of uh, car demand in China, unmet. People want EVs. They do the Shanghai plant. Now, the share already went past 2000 bucks. It's astronomical. It's crazy. And now they got this call of the day from Tesla's biggest fan, who says his best, his new best case scenario for the stock is $3,500. That's a long way to go still. He compares Tesla to an ounce of gold. The Tesla share is now worth more than an ounce of gold. At the low in 2011, it was 0.02 ounces per share. Mm. You like the gold analysis there, Will? An ounce of gold or a Tesla share? Which one would you take right now, today? That's tough. Uh, I would still have to go with gold. You take the gold today? Precious metals. Yeah, but Will, Tesla's going to go to 3,500. Oh, yeah, is gold going to go to 3,500? I'm playing the long game here. Oh, okay. No. So in the long game, you want gold or Tesla? Still gold. Still gold. All right. Long term, Willie Do goes gold. Yeah. Speaking of Tesla, you sent me this one. The Tesla Cyberquad DIY electric ATV. Fun. This Look is uh, not a project I expected to see. At first, I was wondering, is this just a gas-powered uh, ATV? made to look like the cyber quad from no, tesla no. but no it's an actual electric retrofit and it is fast it is absolutely insane it, it is a, a used yamaha raptor atv converted to electric with a zero motorcycle electric motor you hear all that It'll go 0 to 60 in 3.9 seconds. It took 300 hours to build. And it's way faster than the original gas-powered thing that they converted. That was 0 to 60 in 5.4 seconds. They're achieving a top speed of 102.5 miles per hour. Is that Whoa. safe, Will, at all? Look at this thing flying. Not safe, but quite fun, probably. Oh my goodness gracious. And quiet. Electric. Very quiet. Electric. Yeah. So to be clear, it's a DIY. This is not the actual cyber quad. Will the performance of the cyber quad be similar? Who knows? They did have to weld a bunch of sheet metal. Actually, the original plan was just to take the Yamaha Raptor and just make it electric. And then they got ambitious along the way and they said, why don't we just, I mean, all we need is a little sheet metal and then we got the cyber quad. So, and it looks just like it. Yeah. Oh. So you got the guys that are doing the DIY cyber trucks. Now we got the DIY cyber quad. Very cool. And that thing's flying. Tesla fights back against owners hacking their cars to unlock performance boost. I don't know if you knew this, Will, but there's some of the things in the Tesla vehicles as far as performance is concerned uh, are just simply software limited. Mm -hmm. and this is how they sell different models with similar components. And so 
Uh, for example, you have a 50 horsepower performance improvement in the Model 3 that shortens the 0 to 60 time to 3.9 seconds. Now, this is currently sold as a $2,000 acceleration boost. But people, hackers, figured out it's just a software thing. We can get this 50 horsepower, no problem. And so people, of course, they did it. All that Model 3 owners had to do is plug in a connector to their MCU and they would automatically get the 50 horsepower boost plus a few other features, including drift mode. So they just plugged this little guy in and they got all these features that would have cost them a lot of money. Well, Tesla can't be happy about that because they're trying to sell the thing. And so a lot of people who were involved in it, by the way, sort of recognized that it was do at your own risk. Like, this is probably not going to work forever. And so this software update effectively broke these performance improvements. And it goes a step further. It actually put this nasty notification on the main screen that you can't get rid of. Uh oh If you have these modifications installed in it and the, the notification says, incomplete vehicle modification detected potential risk of damage or shutdown. It's pretty harsh. Yeah. Make you That's feel like... Severe. Make you feel like a real jerk for doing it. Uh, so it's some company that was actually, I, I believe, that was selling this thing. But what was the name of it? So they actually hacked it and sold it for Is that a right? cheaper price. Is that right, Will? <laughs> Do you yes, think the company's called InGen Next. And... Uh, uh, InGen Next told Electric that Tesla patched their update of the driver inverter software, unlocking the capacity in the software update 2020.32.1. He said he sent a notification to his clients. In other words, yes, they bought something from him, warning them not to update. And only three customers updated their cars before seeing the update. So yeah, I guess this is one of those things you can get around the patch if you refuse to update also the guy behind the company says he'll figure out a patch to their patch mm. in which case this is like the early days of unlocking an iphone using yeah. like cydia or something cydia pineapple yeah all that stuff you have to hold the yes the hard reset. yes and it was always the updates that broke everything it was similar when i was into the hackintosh stuff mm. or even before that the satellite codes did you ever mess no. with that it's no. very similar. You could get like the satellite cards and I mean I didn't really do it, but I was aware of it. I had friends that did. It's a, uh, this this article is interesting cuz it will maybe come to the point where there will be patches over patches and then the way of hacking is literally just plugging like a USB into like you know, your car and then it's fully unlocked. All the features are already there and yeah. Yeah, the website is so ingennext.ca, and I'm not suggesting you buy the thing, but what's interesting is the module costs $1,433 to unlock the, the power increase of 50 horsepower. And uh, the product will only work if you have the Tesla Model 3 dual motor. It doesn't work on standard range or long range. I don't know. You can check it out for yourself, but it feels like it's not a huge price difference between this just getting the uh, buying the upgrade from Tesla directly. You're saving like 600 bucks, I guess. Improves throttle sensitivity, reduced response time. Yeah. It's Canadian too. It's .ca. I know that was interesting. But anyways, whatever. You can check it out. You can decide for yourself, but you have to believe that Tesla's not going to be happy with it and it's going to continue to be a do at your own risk type of thing. You know, we've been talking about that upcoming TRX truck, hmm. that insane 702 horsepower vehicle that Ram is going to put out. So Ford had to respond because they have the Raptor line, which is supposed to be the performance truck that you, of your dreams. Mm -hmm. And that thing, it hasn't had a V8 engine in a while, and it certainly hasn't had 700 plus horsepower in a while, ever. And so they got to they got to go back to the drawing board. And apparently, they're going to pull an engine from the the GT five hundred vehicle that they do, which is um, a V eight engine, 
And they apparently are going to beat the 702 horsepower on the TRX, potentially delivering between 700 and 750? 725 and 750. 725 and 750, which is interesting because the current 5.2 liter supercharged V8 makes 700 from the 2020 Mustang GT500. So are they going to get even more power out of it? Maybe. The source, the source inside claims that the next Raptor could have a supercharged V8 making between 725 and 750 horsepower. So now you have the horsepower wars with the trucks. Hmm. They had the horsepower wars going for a while. You had the Dodge uh, Hellcat, uh, Challenger, Charger, and they're going head-to-head to horsepower wars against these GT500s, and it just makes its way into the pickup trucks, which is kind of a bit of fun, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a huge power increase for the Raptor, which is currently using a 3.5-liter EcoBoost V6 that makes 450 horsepower. It's a lot of extra horsepower. Mm-hmm. So get ready for all the quick trucks. And if you're a Ford fan, you're not being left in the dust. Ford's going to respond. It may take a little little while. You may have to get that TRX in the meantime. Yeah. How how crazy would it be just to have like a tug of war hmm. with these trucks here? TRX versus next-gen Raptor tug of war. Like a cage match. A torque off. Exactly. Yeah. All right, and then can we throw a Cybertruck in there? And, For uh, sure. Rivian and whatever else? You sent me this one, Will. Live from IIT Bombay, virtual convocation. We have, due to the lockdown, a substitute for a real-life graduation from a program, in this case, computer science and engineering. And instead, we have a video game-like type of experience where uh, you get to live out your graduation. You can roll the clip here, Will. You walk up. I guess these are the professors. You got the medal. You get the zoom in. You get the little smile at the end. And that's how you know you've made it. Boom. Convocation. Graduation. Now, do they do a virtual avatar for each student? That would be a lot of work. That's what I read, yeah. They do like a face scanning and then uh, project it onto like a 3D model. Mm. And there's your there's your body. Is it live? Do you uh, send the video clip to your friends and family? You could, yeah. You could? Yeah. You could and you, you probably would. Individual clip. And then uh, you can just send it to whoever. You can do whatever you want. I mean, it all feels very official when you see yourself in the virtual realm there. India produces... 1.5 million engineers every year, eight times the number produced in the U.S. India's standard in engineering established uh, by IIT and is apparent on the world stage. 15 of 16 members of Blackstone's private equity team are IITians. Hmm. I guess they came through this particular program that this individual just graduated getting that medal. It's a, it's a very special uh, medal, Will. Hmm. You, you and I would know nothing about it. No. But that's a lot. I mean, 1.5 million engineers every year? Well, We got uh, 35 million people in this country. Yeah. 1.5 million They're engineers? They're producing a lot of engineers. 1.5 million engineers every year? And then they all got to do the virtual, uh, the virtual avatar for every single one? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you see what I'm saying? This is a big. This is maybe tough. it's just for like a small batch. You got to yeah. But uh, do you pay a little extra? Maybe, I want yeah. my virtual convocation. Mm-hmm. I think people should go for it. I mean, obviously, you can't get in the big crowd right now, and and yeah. uh, this is a kind of a fun thing to have. My yeah, my virtual, con- but could they have? They could have had a crowd cheering or they yeah they they could. But then again, we're just getting a short clip here. It's six seconds. Yeah. Maybe the extended cut. There's a crowd cheering. They show everyone? Maybe. Yeah. We have lots of ideas here, but everything's going virtual in the future, so even uh, the graduation or convocation goes virtual. Cool. All right, well, last uh, last story of the day, and this is another one you sent me. You're just on fire because it was the Saturday and the Sunday and then the Monday. Yeah. So you're on fire, and you just said, listen, Lou, you have to watch 
the official trailer to the Batman, which is uh, Rob pa Pattison? Patterson? Pattinson. Pattinson. Yeah. Which is uh, best known for the Twilight stuff? Twilight, yeah. Oh, he something else? Did you think of something else? Harry then? Potter and I some other... He did the Harry Potter as well? He was in one of them. Oh, okay. He was a really popular guy. Well, you know more than me. Uh, not you, by you, much. you know more than me. Anyway, he, he, he was in... I remember when the discussion started in the mix for the Batman role. And people were like, is he a little young for the Batman role? And then they were saying, no, look when this guy started. He was this age and everything else. But anyways... Yeah. We have the official trailer. I have not watched it. I don't know how you're going to show it without copyright city. Yeah, we're dead. Do you have a way of doing this? I mean, yeah. Okay. All right. Whatever <laughs> well, you think, man. If you, you think you, we, you can sort it out and get it done, what are you going to do? Transparency? What is your plan here? Transparency, maybe a little bit of volume. All right. Let's give it a shot. Okay. The Batman official trailer. Many millions of views here. Ooh. Ooh, dark. Adult Batman. No more lies. Duct tape. I'm I'm enjoying a soundtrack. Oh, we got Nirvana on this? Mm-hmm. We got Nirvana on the soundtrack? Mm. Stop it. You can't play that. Oh, we're we're dead. No, you play, play it quiet just so I can hear it. We got Nirvana on the track. Sheesh. That's some big time stuff. To the Batman. Well, they're definitely staying dark with it, I'll tell you what. It's all new. It's all new people. Mm -hmm. It's all new, man. You got to get the fight. You got to get a little fight scene in there. You cut the music. Got a new Batmobile, Will. Remember how we talked about how cool that was? It's like a throwback Batmobile. Yeah. It's like a muscle car style. Ooh, they got the Nirvana remix. So dark. I mean, I mean, uh, he wasn't in the trailer a ton. It wasn't a lot of Pattinson. Mm -hmm. It was like behind you had the hair and the mm -hmm. black makeup on the eyes. Uh, kind of, it's a trailer, you know, mm -hmm. kind of jokery vibes. Well, this one is concentrating on uh, the Riddler. No, I just meant the Joker movie, the same tone. Oh, yeah, the same style. Just a very adult feeling. Uh-huh. Is this going to be a big trilogy thing, like the last Nolan stuff? Or does it, it depend how like it goes? Or I don't think this is a one-off. I think they put their eggs in this basket. Eggs are in the basket uh, right now? It's in there with uh, Pattinson. I well, think they look, they, they got me on the nostalgic thing with the Nirvana stuff. Uh, I love how dark. I love that they don't give anything away in the trailer. That's very well done. Yeah. Apparently, there's like a riddle in this trailer. There's a riddle in the trailer. And people, you know, kind of solved it already. But of course there is. It's, uh, it's cool. It seems like they wanted to go with a younger Batman. Mm. And with Pattinson, they... They got themselves a younger Batman. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to remain optimistic. 
I'm not one of these guys that's going to look at a trailer and condemn a thing. Uh, it's going to take me a minute. It? What's that? You hate it? No, no, no. Oh, no, okay. I'm saying it's going to take me a while to get used to a new Batman because I just recently recapped on the on the uh, the Christian Bale stuff. Yeah. I just recently recapped the Christopher Nolan stuff. Yeah. So I got to reframe it. And mm -hmm. it's always been the case. I grew up on the Michael Keaton stuff. Mm -hmm. It's always been the case. You got to transition. You got the good and the bad. I don't think anybody was into the Clooney stuff. I'm sure there's a few people. Not Kirk was into the Clooney stuff. Why do you look at me like that? Oh, you know what? Maybe there's somebody who was into the Clooney stuff. Yeah. But anyways, the point being here, Will, I'm going to give it a chance. I'm going to remain open-minded. This stuff is hard when there's so much baggage mm. with a brand like that and there's feelings. It's a lot of feelings, Will. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of feelings. You see what happened with Halo? Yeah. The Halo situation is a lot of feelings and pressure. I mean, this is different. It's a movie. It's You make the movie. But it's going to be a lot of eyeballs scrutinizing. And I'm going to try to stay open because I know how hard the process is to take a franchise like this and do something that's going to be satisfactory to everybody. Yeah. But the tone of it, it has me peaked a little bit. Right. The tone of it has me interested. And you know they spent some money on that track as well. Mm-hmm. So they're going to need to sell some tickets. So they need the world to cool off with the, with the lockdown stuff. And they need to sell some tickets. So when do we even get this movie, by the way? That's a great question. By the way, in the description okay. here, it does say franchise reboot. You got Robert Pattinson. Uh, you got Zoe Kravitz as Catwoman. You got Colin Farrell as Penguin. You got Paul Dano as Riddler. You got Jeffrey Wright as James Gordon. I think they're going for it here, Will. Wow. Schedule release. I didn't know this. October, October 1st. 1st. No, 2021. Oh, wow. That's a, that's a ways off. You see how they're taking their time with this situation right now? Uh-huh. Yeah. We're getting this a really early trailer. Mm-hmm. Really early trailer. So don't get, your, don't get too fired up right now. Yeah. That's the lesson of the day. Don't get too fired up. Not right now.